both because if you do not give permission for people to fail then you are just stopping them then you're not allowing them to think outside of the box yeah. because outside of the box is the unknown where you could fail yeah and it's that's a conversation that we have um but i have noticed how that you need to you, you need to have that conversation quite frequently and you know i think that's mm. a challenge is you know if um and and i talk this is one of the ways that we talk with the team is if we're going to grow as an organization and that's definitely our path now you know we're we're we're, yeah. we're a lot broader organization now um uh but we continue to grow and we can our aspirations are, are bigger than we are um so if we're yeah. following that path then we have to delegate responsibility we have to bring new people into the team and we have to grow as a as a team part of yeah. that is we're going to get things wrong so you know we're going to bring yeah. people in we're going to ask them to help with things they might get it wrong we might get it wrong we might get it wrong as a team but we have to ex- accept that so you know one of the things i say to to my um team is uh, i'm happy with you know a breakage rate of uh and i think this is a tim Fer- tim ferris thing a breakage rate of 10 to 15% so if we make a decision mm-hmm. if we make 10 decisions and one of them isn't quite right we can fix that and we'll fix that as a team and i yeah. am absolutely fine with that because the alternative is that we spend much more time on all of those things and we s- slow the boat down right we just we we kind of yeah. grind to a halt and we don't grow um so yeah, yeah so i think uh accepting i call it breakage but accepting mistakes and uh accepting mistakes and and reassuring people that that is okay i think is a really important yeah. part of it um because it like you say it grows confidence and it lets people kind of explore those soft side things as well all right welcome everyone one more episode and i'm so excited to have this gentleman virtually sitting next to me i have known him for a few years um and we met uh you know at a common customer common project and since then we have kept in touch the reason i'm excited about him is his background he comes from the very technical background as an enterprise architect and then he saw he wanted to do more and he shifted into um getting on his own business building his own company and you know here we are uh, multiple um companies he has built and sold and then <laughs> some more and there are some more things so i'm really excited welcome james james i'm so happy you're doing this it's man pretty i'm happy to be here too and uh, uh congratulations on your journey as well i can see i can see where you're going i can see the growth and it's incredibly impressive the pace as well so yeah super happy to be here <laughs> Thank you. So let's start where it started. Uh you know, uh how about you give a little bit of your background so people understand where you come from and how you tra- then went from your employee to entrepreneurship. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know, just a tiny bit of background on me. So, um as you I'm based here in the UK. Uh originally I'm from the the northwest of the company, uh, sorry, the northwest mm. of the country. Uh so up near Liverpool. uh like Liverpool Manchester Preston that kind of industrial north of the UK um uh I I'm in my uh mid late 40s now so you know as many people of my kind of era kind of like come growing up in the 
70s and 80s in the UK and then going to university in the 90s, I've slowly made my way south. We all made our way south for work. Um, mm. So I'm kind of a, a northern guy who lives now down in the south of England, just outside of uh, just outside London. Um, and, you know, as you said in the introduction, I'm a, a techie, really. You know, I go back uh, to uh, computer science as kind of my profession um, when I was kind of growing up and then through university and then worked for some large IT organizations, Oracle and uh, Compaq, as it was. They're now called, they were called out by HP. Um, but yeah, techie background. So I, I've been a, a developer. I've been a database administrator. Um, you mentioned enterprise architects. So, you know, that whole kind of design um, side of IT, uh, that's kind of where I come from. And I guess that was probably the first uh, I guess 12 or 13 years of my IT career was, you know, mm. um, building IT systems, uh, implementing IT systems for, for, for big companies here in the UK. Um, and, you know, over that time, I, I guess, you know, there was some entrepreneurship there. You know, I was interested in, you know, I was, I was more, in, more than interested in, you know, what does it take to start a company? What does it take to build a team? Mm. Um, what does innovation look like? What does entrepreneurship look like? Um, and I was really lucky to have an opportunity with uh, a bunch of guys uh, kind of around 2011, 2012. Um, mm. uh, there was, uh, I, I always name the guys. So there was myself, um, Matt Smithwright, Matt Karim and Pete Berry. So there was four of us um, and we're friends. We go back, a, we go back a long, long way. Um, mm. But we, we were all working together um, uh, on a, a large government project here in the UK and uh, around this. And we were, we were implementing an IT system. It was a, a long-term project, like 18, 24 months, that kind of thing. We had a lot of time mm -hmm. together. Um, and at the same time, Amazon was coming up. So Amazon Web Services, the cloud platform was coming up. And we realized that the, the IT world that we'd been used to um, of servers and hardware and storage and, you know, these, these huge mm -hmm. vendors were being disrupted by this e-commerce, that's this book selling platform, right? And you could you could yeah. order a book, but you could also like run up a server as well. And and we we were doing that in the evenings. And you know, one of my kind of one of my kind of viewpoints is like if you're if you're trying to figure out what's coming next, look at what your team are doing in the evening. So if they're, you know, yeah, like yeah. today they're gonna be on blockchain, they're gonna be on AI, they're gonna be looking at um, cryptocurrencies and things like that. Um, but that's kind of where things are going. Like, what, what are they doing in the evening? And what we were doing was we were playing around with uh, with AWS. Um, mm. And that was the genesis of our kind of entrepreneurial journey. We we um, uh, we developed an idea, uh, created a company, uh, spent a long time getting stuff wrong, like you do at the beginning. The first kind of <laughs> the first kind of couple of years is very trial and error. Um, but then you find a niche. Um, people get to know what you're doing. Uh, and then, you know, you, you keep going on that. You kind of keep going on that journey. You keep making a few mistakes, correcting things, trying to do things a little bit better. Uh, and eventually, you hopefully, fingers crossed, you get to a good place. Um, so, yeah, which mm. is kind of where we are now. Amazing. Um, you know, when I started uh, my journey, or uh, I was still learning programming. One of the things I remember is one of the sessions, is, there was some outsider from IBM came and he was saying, okay, if you're a programmer for more than a year, 
there's something wrong. You should be becoming a lead. And I didn't understand like why I love programming. Um, and I did stick with programming for like 10 years. I just didn't want it because it was something I got so comfortable. I enjoyed doing and leading or managing seemed like a lot of more work, you know, staying in black box in my box was so much easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the idea, you know, so many people as they are transitioning, as they are looking, you know, especially technical people, we all are full of ideas, like when you're seeing it, but not many people are able to go beyond the idea to the execution or, you know, finding, and like you rightly said that, you know, first few ideas are, are not exactly what is your niche or something that makes you successful. It's just maybe a pivotal point or it is, yeah. um, it's a stepping stone in a way. So, uh, from your experience, what would you tell somebody who's has an idea, but thinking, okay, let me figure out everything before I do this. We, we did exactly that. So, you know, we, um, well, actually, no, we didn't do that. We did the bit that we thought was important. So, um, mm. we concentrated on the technology, um, mm. and, 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 and got to know that technology really well. We, we did, we were proving things. So we were able to, you know, like demo things to our customers. We were able to show our ideas technically. Um, but we probably spent too much time and money on that as well. And not huge amounts of money because, you know, you can kind of do mm. these things quite cheaply. Um, but it's more about the effort and kind of where you spend your time. And I think, you know, in retrospect, I would say you have to develop enough of the idea so that you can show it so that you can, Mm -hmm. demonstrate it and i guess it gets to um we talk about like minimum viable product um mm -hmm. i can't remember whose whose book that comes from but you know just enough to show the idea but it doesn't need all of the kind of framework around it and the bells and whistles um and then go to market um because ultimately if no one cares, then the market will just tell you no. And that's really hard to take if you spent two years building something and then the market says no. Um, so, yeah. so I think, you know, you need enough to be able to show and then, you know, just go out, go out and tell the world what you're doing and take that feedback on board. And, and it's the scariest bit, right? Because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the bit where people go, well, I don't understand or like, why are you doing that? Or, you know, like, do people like you really do that? You know, it's a really hard one, you know? Um, mm. But I think, I think, yeah, getting out there and, and showing the world your work is, is really valuable. Mm. So, so when, you know, as you were building this MVP and when you took it out and if, you know, I'm assuming some people said no, and some would say yes, eventually when you heard the no, uh, or, you know, or it didn't make, sense to the people that you were talking to what were some of the things that you did as you look back that made it possible to get to the yes uh, well i think there's two things there. i think there's one is like how do you carry on and and two is how mm -hmm. do you get to yes so for us and this deserves a little bit of context so we were we were basically mm -hmm. trying to get um uh, established companies or established customers you know so like mid-market uk customers they could be manufacturing they could be service-based but you know kind of big companies 
to rather than use their own IT, like data centers and their mm -hmm. own kind of computers and stuff like that, we we're trying to get them to use Amazon's. We we're trying to get them to use the cloud. Um, yeah. Amazon had been around since 2006, and we were trying to have this conversation in 2011, 2012, and mm. people didn't want to have it. it but they weren't ready. You know, there was the the concerns were: is it secure? Um, is it reliable? Um, don't these guys sell books? You know, all this kind of stuff. It was like just too early to have that conversation. Um, so, so number one, we had to find a way to, but we kind of knew it was the future. So it was like, okay, so mm. how do we span the gap between, um, how do we span the gap between our idea and finding an early adopter? That was kind of the, mm. our first challenge. Um, and I remember we had conversations around it. I, there's one that kind of sticks out to me. It was on a street mm. in London, like outside a customer that had said no. And, you know, we kind of like came downstairs and we were on this noisy street and it was cold. And we were like, what are we going to do if people keep saying no? Because we couldn't understand it. We, it was obvious to us. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do if people keep saying no? And we went and we sat down, we drank some coffee. And we what we figured out was how can we keep going long enough? How can we create a runway that's long enough? It wasn't even that. It's like, how can we create a run, run, runway that's forever, you know, so that so that we can literally keep doing this until the penny drops for the rest of the world because it's going to drop. Um, and mm. we just figured out what that was going to be. So we're like, well, how much is that going to cost? Um, how are we going to do it in terms? How are we going to manage like our day jobs against doing that as well? We figured that out, um, and then it was a case of go and execute. So then there's just the kind of the grittiness of actually doing that. Um, and then in terms of finding that first customer and kind of convincing that first customer, um, I think we just, we, we had a phrase, like sometimes you just have to let the world turn underneath people for a while. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that was what we did. We just persisted and, and kept going until, um, until the world was ready, until our, until our customer base was ready. And then you find one, you know, find one customer, one friendly person that's willing to take the, the, the jump with you and with the technology. Um, and then you've got a story to tell. Uh, so then you go and tell that story and, and that's a proof point and it's kind of some social proof that someone else is doing it. Then, you know, the next person isn't the risk taker. Um, and then mm. you find the second one and, and then the ball is rolling, right? You, uh, you just need yeah. to keep pushing it down the hill. That's amazing. I mean, uh, I love the analogy of, you know, using the runway building and a runway so that, Eventually, it comes to a yes, and then, um, you know, believing in your idea, like if you knew just because you believe it's going to happen, you know, you had to give it a time and, you know, wait for the perfect timing to come. Um, so um, that's uh, amazing. So when you were, um, you know, a lot of times uh, um, what I have seen in, and personally with myself also, like in the technical background, people are a little bit more introverted, shy. And I, I've seen you, I engage, you're not really outspoken. Like you have, you're reserved, you, you are friendly, but you still have that uh, reservation or shyness to it. How was that transition from somebody who's technical, who's maybe sitting behind the computer most of the times working to this new world where now you have to not only talk about the idea, you have to convince people that it is going to happen because it was not there yet. It, it's a great question. Um, and, and you're right. You've got me. I'm kind of, um, 
uh, I, I don't really like introvert and extrovert. I, I read something recently yeah. about, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy who started uh, Gymshark and he was on a podcast mm. and he was talking about, um, you know, are you introvert and are you extrovert? And, you yeah. know, I think when people think about that, they're like, well, you know, does this person like jump up and down in front of the room? And that's what makes them an extrovert. <laughs> and I'm like, I, and he described it as it's more about how do you recharge your batteries? And like it, mm. introverts tend to recharge their batteries by kind of being on their own a little bit and being quiet, whereas extroverts like to recharge their batteries being in the group. And I think, yeah. you know, that's how I reflect on it. So I'm perfectly happy, like, you know, standing up in front of the room and, you know, I'm kind of making a bit of a fool of myself and getting things wrong. And, you know, I do get embarrassed, you know, I blush and go yeah. red and, and I've kind of grown like, that's just me. That's just how it's going to be. And I'm kind of happy with it as long as I get time to kind of go back and just kind of recharge those mm. batteries a little bit afterwards. Um, but it just, I think it just takes practice. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're, if you're a coder, um, and you know, your, your, your technical, and, and, and I think that's changed now, actually, I think that's a career you can have like the whole, whole way through now, I think being a, a creative technical person is something you can do all yeah. the way through your career. Um, I, d I don't think there should be this pressure to like be a team leader or, but I, I, yeah. I think you can do that, but I think equally, you know, technical creator engineer coder whatever you call it i think i think that's a valid mm. all the way through um but i think if you do want to change and if that's kind of the way you want to go i think it's practice yeah it's putting yourself out there making yourself uncomfortable um and just and oh the and the other thing is that nobody really cares anyway do you know what i mean it's <laughs> yeah. like you 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 go, you know, when you're younger, maybe you kind of go through the world thinking that everybody's picking up on your your flaws and, you know, like when, when you say the word wrong or when you kind of like speak too quick, no one really cares. Everybody's kind of thinking about themselves a little bit anyway. So I think use that knowledge, get up in front of people and just practice. Um, and yeah, I enjoy it now. It's my, it's my favorite part of things at work is working with people and kind of being creative with a group um yeah and, and it's the it's the thing i've most missed during the pandemic as well is not having that get in a room together mm. and you know meet people and and do stuff together so yeah 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 and i agree with you like even with the like most introverted or most shy people you still enjoy the company of others like it's not like shy people they may not talk they may have a little bit harder time to express and do but they still enjoy like this was this is from my own experience so when you were you know as you were building uh, this idea and trying to get your first yes were you still doing your jobs like was it a period that you were doing this part-time and then transition full-time full how was the journey yeah that's exactly it so we figured out a way of um uh, we figured out a way of carrying on doing the roles that we had um, because we were mm. we were all freelance at the time. So we'd all kind of like taken a tiny little micro step into kind of entrepreneurship and and mm -hmm. so on. But um, uh, so that gave us an element of control, an element of freedom. So we could say, OK, well, you know, we're kind of do this as a as a side gig, I guess, you know, and until it takes off um, and then around. um 
uh, so there's one of our team, Matt Smith, right? He took the first leap. So he, he, he was kind of the first person to go and work in the company full time. Um, mm. and I think that was around Christmas 2011. Uh, so kind of heading into 2012, I might be wrong there. Um, and mm. then as we grew, as we grew our customer base and kind of got a bit more traction, got a bit more business, then we slowly, we all came into the business. Um, mm. and then we had that kind of, uh, and we'd created a framework for that as well. So we'd had the conversations about like, how much is everybody going to get paid? Like what's our, you know, how are we going to manage the finances and all that kind of thing? So we'd had those conversations. So then it was just a kind of a business process of like, when can the business support us all? Um, and then we had mm. a period of, um, probably a year or so of, is this going to, right, we've managed to make this leap, but can we sustain it? Um, and, mm. you know, and it probably took it, as I say, a year or so for us to kind of get to the point where we're like, okay, yeah, this is, I always think about it as this is very likely to be the thing I'm doing in 12 months time. Therefore mm. I should look at how we grow now. Um, and, yeah. and we kind of got to that point and that's when we started to grow the team and, and bring some, some, some other folks in as well. Mm. So when you were looking ahead, like 12 months ahead and, um, uh, thinking about what should we be doing now to prepare for that 12 months, um, it's almost like you're putting your vision out, like this is what's going to happen and, um, uh, determining what you can do to prepare that, yeah. um, did you guys have, you know, in the personal development world, there is uh, vision boards, there is goals and plannings and things like, did you collectively do something where you decided, okay, this is where the company is going? We did. Yeah. And we were, it, it's one of the things I'm really proud of that we did. And it's one of the things that I, I, I don't, I don't see as much of in, in other organizations. Yeah. We, um, uh, I can't remember exactly the timing, but it was probably like 2015, something like that. Um, we stumbled on a couple of things. We um, And it's always ideas from outside, right? So there was, um, yeah. there was, there's two books that kind of influenced the way we built things from sort of two, 2015 to like 2019. Mm. The first one was, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's a, he's a rower. He was a rower in the 2012 uh, Olympics. Mm. And he wrote a book called Does It Make the Boat Go Faster? Um, which is a fantastic yeah. book. It's 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 half um, the story of the Olympics, and it's half a uh, a coaching book or a, like a you know a kind mm. of a business slash self improvement book. Um, and yeah. the the stories that they tell around the the row the experience of of rowing and winning in the Olympics uh, is then reflected back in kind of what what we can all learn from it. And it's a fantastic book, and we really took that on board. And it focused us in on like, if we want to grow this company, you need to look at what we're mm. doing every day. And we used their phrase. We said, does it make the boat go faster? Like, does it grow the company? Mm. Do Are we doing things better? Um, or is it just kind of uh, administration, trivia, distraction? Um, so mm. that was the one thing we kind of focused in on, you know, exactly what should we be doing? And then the second thing, mm. the second book we, and I, I literally, I saw someone reading it on the tube. And it's called the twelve-week year, um, and and yeah. and I just looked at it and I thought, I wonder what that's about. And I was kind of what, I was looking at this guy reading it on the tube, and I saw the outside cover, and I saw a little bit of the inside, and I could see a diagram and things like that. And I went straight. I was on my way into work. I went straight into work and ordered it. Um, mm. And it was, 
it's a very simple idea, but it's a it's a great challenge and it's a great framework for building things. So uh, the idea is that you look at what you would normally do in in a year, in 12 months, and then you challenge yourself to think about why you can't do that in 12 weeks. Um, and we, we use this yeah. as a framework to, to start kind of planning and building out the company. Um, and and as I say, it's one of the things I'm most proud that we did because we would we would get together on a 12 weekly basis. So obviously this divides mm. the year into four chunks or quarters. Um, mm. But you have you, you have 12 weeks and then you have week 13, which is your planning week. So basically you plan um, four times a year and then you go away for for the individual the in between 12 weeks and you execute on those plans. And then you come back in week 13, you see how you did and then you improve on things. Um, and, and that's how we uh, structured our kind of approach to building the company. Um, so we, so to answer your question in a really long roundabout way, we, we didn't have like vision boards or statements or anything like that, but we did know where we wanted to take the company. We knew, we knew that small is temporary. We knew that you need to get to a scale to be sustainable. So we knew we had to build. Um, we knew what that looked like on a kind of a three-year time frame. And we had a way mm. of breaking that down into chunks so that we knew what was mm. in front of us for the next 12 weeks. Um, and and that was how we did it. We uh, we just kind of had that repetition. We had that, uh, to use a, a kind of up-to-date phrase, we had a, that cadence within the, the kind of planning cycle of the business. And um, I think it's a large part of what made us successful. Amazing. There's so much... Um wisdom in here i like the phrase does it make you know board go board go faster because we can get ourselves distracted by a lot of many things uh, and and i mean as i'm building this podcast and doing these things i'm not necessarily asking these questions but i'm asking this like what is it i'm doing like is it best use of my time can i sort of uh, give it away and let somebody do it better than me. Uh, so that's amazing. You mentioned so many books and <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> and this is where we connect. Like I love that you are also a reader. And for me, when I was still doing programming and I was reading books, like somebody handed me and I was still early on my personal development learning. I know that people around me used to laugh like, okay, what is it that book is going to do? But you know, as I look back now, 15 years later, it has helped me immensely on uh, those ideas, those authors, those mentors. Um, and, and like you said, a lot of companies do not use uh, it enough. Like bigger companies, Amazon, Google, they know to build a culture. Uh, but in terms of building yourself first, mm. investing, I mean, one of the easiest ways to find a coach is book, yeah. right? picking up a book. So along your journey, did you have, you know, other than the books like direct mentors or role models that you follow that helps you maybe get better in your craft? Uh, I Yes, we did. Yeah. And I was thinking about this when we were, you know, kind of preparing to talk today. And mm. I think, um, I think there's, there's been so many people and I, I, it's hard to mention a few because then you'll miss out others and, and that's not, not yes, fair. But yes. um, I think what I learned was that you you need to be open to other people's ideas. And yeah. uh, there, there's two things. You need to be open to other people's ideas 
and you need to ask enough questions that you really, really understand kind of where they're coming from. And, you know, I think back to, so I'll tell one story um, kind of from when we were getting started. We, uh, we were getting started with Amazon um, or with AWS, uh, but we didn't have any contact with them. We, ha- we hadn't spoken to them as a company. We just kind of, you know, it's like this big anonymous organization for us. And we were using their tools and we really understood their tools. And we were probably being more creative than a lot of people, but they had no idea. And we didn't know that we, yeah. we didn't know that that was what we were doing. Um, but we went to, they had a conference in London and, and it was free to go. You could just like go along with a pass, you know, register online and get a pass. So we did that. Um, and there was a guy, uh, there's a guy I'd, I'd met through, um, through a project. He was working on a project that we were working on. His name's James Brown. He was working for a company called Alert Logic at the time. Um, he's moved on now, but, um, but I was asking, he was saying to, he was saying to me, well, are you like, uh, partnering with Amazon? And I was like, well, yeah, cause we're kind of using their stuff. And he was like, no, no, no. Are you like, are you like in their partner framework? Yeah. I was like, no, I didn't even know. Is it like, is it even a thing? Right. Um, and he said, okay, I need to introduce you to this person. So he introduced me to a guy called, uh, Alistair McAlpine, who at the time was, um, running the partner organization for Amazon. And, and I explained what we were doing. And he said, he kind of said to me, well, you should really be a partner. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, well, we have a partner mm. network. And I was like, well, what is that for? And he was like, okay, we need to meet and you need to <laughs> understand what all of yeah. this is. Um, but I think it was that, you know, rather than, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had, or we've ever had like a set of, you know, mentors that kind of, that kind of help you all the way through. But I think there are mm-hmm. people that you come across and I think you kind of, if you, you kind of recognize these people and you think, oh yeah, you know this little bit, like mm. 10 times better than I know it. And then if you've got the, if they've got the patience and they can see something and, you know, you just, and they're generous with their time, then you can just ask enough questions to get good enough to take that next step. And, you know, and that, mm. that was like two or two conversations, maybe three conversations uh, and then that took us on a path with Amazon as a partner, which just like really, you know, put fuel under the business um, and got us a load mm. of attention that we just wouldn't, we didn't even know existed. Um, so, yeah, I think it's people mm. you meet along the way. Yes, amazing. I remember one of the things two years back, uh, or even, I think it's a year back sometime when I talked to you that I was thinking to get on the entrepreneur journey. And we were talking about ideas and you, you gave me this tip. You mentioned that, you know, one should not be afraid of sharing their own ideas. Uh, I remember that if you can talk about that, because I thought that was a profound wisdom in it, because a lot of times we just hold on to ideas thinking somebody would steal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's a, it's, I I thought you were going to go somewhere else, but you're right. It's, um, I think when, when we have an idea and I don't know where this comes from, I think it's cultural. I don't know whether it's UK cultural or Mm. whether it's, whether it's broader, but there's like, if you have an idea or, you know, if you're an inventor and you make something or you've got, Mm. you you think you could make something, then you should keep it close to your chest because like someone else will steal it. And, um, you Mm. know, you won't have a, you won't have a copyright or you won't have a trademark or you Mm. won't have a patent. You'll have nothing to protect you and all that kind of thing. Um, and and I remember looking at all, and, and I think that's how we were when we started. Is like, oh, we need to, the secret source here, and we need to kind of protect that. 
um, and make sure nobody knows about it. Um, but then uh, I think I think I started listening to um, people like Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that. And yeah. it, it, one of the things that he always says is like, if, if you've got an idea, you can tell 100 people and 99 of them are going to do nothing about it. Like, like just it. nothing. Yeah. Like it, they're not even going to realize. And there might be one person who realizes an opportunity there, but then there's probably a one in a hundred chance that that person will actually go and copy what you're doing. Um, because like we said earlier on, most people aren't paying attention. You know, most people are kind of like they're wrapped up with their own stuff. Mm. So that kind of mm. taught me that actually, you know, you can share your secret source. Um, and actually that's, that's where the that's where the real value is and that's where the real influence and kind of energy for your business is going to come from so um i i just think the more that you can share about what you do and how you do it uh, the more valuable it is for for the rest of the world and actually it's just a it's an accelerant to your business more than anything can be um and i think that's yeah. what i've seen you do you know you've kind of um you know, you put yourself out there and, you know, you're kind of your ideas, you're, you're expressing. And, and I've, you know, we've had these conversations and I've seen that change over time. Um, yeah. But I think I've only seen it change because we've had those conversations and I can kind of see it, but what, you know, it's just, I think it's so important to share. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it gives you a feedback loop also. Like if you do not talk, if you hold yourself so closely that I'm going to just talk it to the right person, then you miss the opportunity. And one of the first things I learned uh, from the mentor was that, uh, you know, surveying the market, talking to people, like I may think you need this, but people actually need something different, yeah. which is why I keep pivoting because I'm just getting aligned with what is market asking to deliver rather than what I think I need to do. A hundred percent. And actually not uh, what we found was what, what we thought the market wanted. Um, the, the market was actually a lot simpler than we thought, you know, it's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, we, we'd taken, um, you know, sort of four or five steps into like how do enterprises use public cloud? How, you know, how do businesses use Amazon? And we'd taken four or five steps down that journey, but actually our customers, they were just wanting to look at step number one. So, well, you know, we were kind of, we almost had to simplify the message. Um, but unless you're kind of sharing what those steps are, it's just confusing. So I think, yeah, just oversharing and, and really simplifying things so that people understand is, is so valuable. And, and like you say, mm. you get the feedback as well. Um, you know, if you, if you're, but if, if you're, if you're not sharing enough detail, and the person doesn't understand, you're not going to get the right feedback. Um, I, yeah, so I think mm. it's important to go deep. Amazing. So coming to your own mindset, right? It's, it's, yeah, I believe somebody who is building or going somewhere it has to protect yourself, like your mental uh, psych uh, psychology or not get affected by a lot of things and knows whether it's a no or whether it's, uh, you know, you get somebody saying something wrong or a customer not liking you know we all have those situations so what do you do from day to day like to make sure that you're online and you're not distracted by the noises uh, that may not mean anything from a day or you know years point of view in your long-term vision are there certain things that you do to keep yourself sane <laughs> yeah and um i i think 
I think maturity comes into it. I think um, I used to get, you know, 10 years ago, I would get a lot more upset and a lot more worried about, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of one person's comment or feedback um, or, you mm -hmm. know, where, you know, where's all this going and that kind of thing. And um, so I think maturity helps. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, maturity slash experience, I guess. I, I I know about maturity. I probably know less about experience. Um, <laughs> but I think the two the two things that I do day to day are, uh, and, and going back to something we said already, like, what is this likely to look like in twelve months' time, and is that you know is what I'm doing now important uh, for that? Mm. You know, so I, I kind of try and take that, you know, take that view. And and if it's, if somebody's being critical, it's like, well, is that is that going to affect us in twelve months' time? Probably not. So I'm going to put it away. Mm. Um, or if somebody's being constructive, it's like, actually, okay, oh, do we need to change things because actually the market's going to be in a different place, or we're all going to be in a different place mm. in twelve months' time? I think, you know, try and take that longer perspective. That helps me. Um, and then mm. day to day, I'm just very practical. So you know, if we have a if we have a challenge, and whether that's um, you know, kind of a, a hard business challenge or a soft people challenge. You know, I, I try mm. and just think about it very practically. Um, and, you mm. know, if, if it's a business challenge, what are the, what are the activities, what are the, the tasks that we need to, to do or try to overcome the business challenge? Um, and if it's, mm -hmm. if it's softer, if it's about people, if it's about relationships, then how do we need to have the conversation? Like, how do we get people talking and communicating better? Um, and, mm. and it helps me rather than, you know, it helps me because it gives me something practical to do. Um, and, and I mm. think I'm very progress driven. So, so yeah, I'd say they, those two things. Mm. In terms of building the company, uh, culture is one of the biggest things that impacts the growth of the company and, uh, meeting the people, knowing the people that work in your company, like yourself, Tom, Pete, uh, I saw one thing, the common thing I saw was uh, working with you guys was, you know, there's a sense of energy that I never felt threatened. Like it was always welcoming energy. And, you know, if it was just you, I could say, okay, it's just personality. But, you know, you three have very different personalities, but uh, uh, the energy that comes across or the vibe that come across the same. So, uh, was that something intentionally you guys built or like how do you build that culture to ensure this is welcoming or it stands correct to what your vision and brand is about? It's, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, I think um, we, we definitely worked hard on culture early on. Um, and, you know, mm. the guys that you mentioned, you've got a founder in there and you've got a very early employee in there as well. Um, and, you know, still with the organization, which is fantastic. And yeah, you know, I, I think very early on we start we we kind of tried to have a um a tight company culture and just make sure that we were all just communicating really well and frequently um and mm. having fun together as well as working together um and i think i think the environment we were in helped so you know mm. around the time that we were starting up and that we were building uh there was a a big um kind of technology focus in East London. So mm. like in between um, Old Street Roundabout and the city of London, the, you know, there's kind of some older kind of industrial areas that were being um, kind of gentrified and, and redeveloped as co-working spaces and you know, like live workspaces and things like that. And there was a, there was a real strong vibe of 
like creativity and you know like entrepreneurship and technology within mm. that space so we just put ourselves right in the middle of it and i think you know that attracted attracted people to come and work at the company be part of that kind of community um and it also mm. meant that there was always things going on so we, you know we 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 were always able to um you know go and eat in cool places together go out for drinks in smart places you know there was always kind of events going on and things like that so uh i i think that really helped us early on um and aside from the environment i think we what we tried to do is just have a even when we were a team of like maybe up to about 10 uh we would all stay in the same room so everything happened in the same room um yeah and we communicated daily we had a thing called daily stand up um and we had the biggest whiteboard that money can buy and it had everything we were doing on it um and you know everybody knew what was going on in the organization and you know, I think that was the culture that we put in place and somehow mm. and I don't know how these things work I've, not my fields of expertise but somehow that closeness and that kind of practicality uh that we built mm. uh into that early team has has spread out as we've grown which has been fantastic um and then I think the the last thing you can't ignore is the people you hire the people that you bring in along the way um and mm. and again you know the, some of the guys that you know will be early hires, you know, really strong uh, team members. Um, so I think if you get the right people, you put them in the right environment and you put them together as a team, I think, you know, you, you can have something really great, which is, uh, which is hopefully what you've seen. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as you share this, one thing that comes to my mind is, this: it's also, you know, environment, uh, people, it's also helps because you are the person leading them like the you know i've one thing that immediately comes across when somebody meets you is the, like how humble you are and, and and that's the welcoming energy like there's a balance between your humility and your vision and uh, your practicality you know and 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 that's what attracted me uh, quite frankly to you like we became even though we were different partners working different companies but I, I think we became good friends because that energy, that vibe, that, you know, not threatening or helpful nature, it just uh, was uh, amazing. Oh, that's kind of you to say so. Yeah. Um, going back to Gary Vee, since you mentioned Gary Vee, one of the things in terms of the uh, company culture he talks about is hire fast and fire faster. It's, it's the philosophy he used so that he finds the right people fast, like, he mentions that you know interviews cannot do the justice your reference checks cannot do the justice to the actual work that person could be doing yeah. and i can relate to it and then firing i mean firing people i, I think there is a wrong connotation to it but i i think in a way when you're in a wrong position you're not growing yourself you're not helping grow the company it's better to get fired and find something that yeah. you know motivates you is there something, uh, is there a philosophy you use hiring people for your company? Uh, I think, uh, so I understand hire fast, fire fast. It's not something we ever did. Um, and it's, mm. I, I'm not sure it's kind of the way that I'm put together. Um, mm. but, that, but that's just me. Um, so I think mm. we, we probably hired slowly, but very considerately. Um, and I think uh -huh. when it wasn't a good fit for people, I think that was a kind of a conversation that happened over a period of time and maybe, 
you know, like you say, if, if someone isn't growing in a role and that they don't quite fit in the team, then it'll be obvious yeah. to you. It'll be obvious to them. And at some point you have the conversation and sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier and they're like, yeah, actually I'm going to go and look at something else. And sometimes it's a bit harder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that was a philosophy we, we adopted. Um, having said that, when, you know, when we look at hiring people and I was thinking about this this morning, I think there's, you know, there's kind of, uh, when I look at hiring a person, I, I think you, you look at the skill, you look at their, you look at the skill level, of course, the kind of hard skills, mm. you look at the cultural fit and they're kind of, you mm. know, how, um, how they're going to work in the team. And then I think the third piece is, is, and I wrote this down, I labeled it as ambition, but I think it's like, you know, their future. Um, and yeah. I think you need, ideally you need some of all three, but you can get away with two. So, you know, we've hired people who've got, uh, they've got skill and they've got a great cultural fit. Maybe they don't have, you know, massive ambition, things like that, but they're a great mm. team member. Uh, equally, we've mm -hmm. hired people who are a great cultural fit, have a, you know, total newcomers to the industry. So like low skill level, but they've got massive mm. ambition and they just want to take off. And, and, you know, that's mm. just fuel for the team. If it's the right person with the right ambition, it's just fuel for the team and that can work really well. Um, and, you know, I think the only one that doesn't work so well is if you've got if you've got somebody with skill and somebody with ambition, um, but they're not a team fit, they should probably be doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's that's where those people end up. You know, there's an entrepreneurship and a drive there. Um, but, yeah, I kind of look at those three things. And, you know, I think when, when I'm talking to somebody about bringing them into the team now, it's like if if they've got some of the skill and they're a good team fit and, and I always have the conversation about, you know, where do you like if this if this job or this role is two years or three years where do you want to be in five years and as long as we fit mm. on that line then i think i think we're good and and it's amazing when you ask that question like what what people will come out with and what they'll say and um and and the reason i ask it is i want to make sure that what we do in a role together now or over the next two or three years mm. or however long we're together is is putting you on a path for your five or 10 year kind of ambitions. Um, because mm. otherwise, like, you know, I, I think we're just going to end up disappointed and, you know, it's just going to be a job. It's not going to be part of a career and things like that. So that's kind of the way I look at it now is more of a, you know, think about the person as well as the job. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And, and a lot of companies, I mean, uh, I can tell from my career, a lot of companies are not focused on the career of the person coming and that probably is a mess. Like if you focus there, then you give a reason for person to come on board and work and to their capability and put in efforts to get where they wanted it. And it's also easier to hold them accountable. Okay, you said you wanted to go there, you know, and we, yeah. is it change something? And I think that's a brilliant uh, way to hire people. Uh, I wish somebody did that. Like one of the things I always wished uh, when I was growing and as I was getting more exposed to uh, other great leaders and great organizations, I always wanted, like, I wish I had somebody who would have that kind of interest in my growth and, you know, hold me accountable or, you know, it's more almost like a teacher, somebody holding you accountable for your words that you said and, Hey, I didn't get that there, but I had to actually, 
hire people to do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, that leads me to this question. Uh, how, how do you see the, you know, there's importance of hard skills, uh, uh, obviously, for a job or role. You need to have those skills. But in my experience or what I believe is that you you also need to have soft skills to grow yourself, invest in yourself, and almost like companies should be uh, giving away or making sure that people are doing that. They're not always focused on the hard. Where do you see the balance in your experience between hard and soft skills? It's, it, I mean, it's a great question, and, and it's really poignant in our industry. You know, we're a service provider. We provide people with skills, um, you know, mm. as, a, as a service to companies. And so it's natural that you focus there. You know, it's kind of natural that, you know, that's the saleable commodity that we have. Um, but you're 100% right. You need to kind of, you need to build those. Um, and when, when I think about soft skills, I think about um, generally communication, um, yeah. uh, kind of building building team relationships, building personal relationships, um, you know, developing rapport with people and it just yeah. kind of human skills and, you know, I mean, we in our in the company now, we have a, a culture of mentorship. So we have a mentoring program, mm. um, we, you know, which means that people can learn from one another. And, and that has a real um, slant on personal pro- progression, career progression. Um, and, and it's a very safe and open way to ask questions about kind of what's going on mm. and, and how to grow. Um, so I, I, I think. uh the balance is really hard, isn't it? Because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what, I think one of the best ways to do it is to lead by example. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I always try and put myself out there as the one that um, will uh, talk about what soft skills are. I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. willing to be vulnerable and kind of yeah. be the one who's wrong as well. Cause I think, you know, that, that kind of culture of everybody's got to be right all the time is it, it, it kind of breeds the wrong um, kind of soft skills. So, so I'll always yeah. make sure that I try or I try and make sure that I lead by example. Um, I'm open to making a fool of myself. I'm open to being wrong. Um, I'll always be the one that asks the question that needs to be asked. If I, if I don't understand yeah. or if I think as a group we're, we're not understanding. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's those things that we can do as, as leaders of an organization to kind of help people along. Um, I, what I don't see enough of and, you know, I think this is where you where you're going and, you know, the kind of community that you're yeah. in and that you're building is, you know, how do we structure that? You know, how do we. And how do we make sure that we're repeating that on a regular basis? So, you know, it's one thing, yeah. Jim saying, you know, like, oh, we need to uh, we need to be more open in our communication. We need to be um, uh, happy with failing from time to time. And, you know, that's acceptable. and It's all good. Um, but I think there's another thing of how do we how do we make sure that people understand that on a regular basis and kind of build that into uh, a person's training plan or career progression? Um, and I think as an industry, we don't do that. Uh, as well as we could yeah uh, and uh, i mean this is what surprised me like uh, especially in service industry where you know you if you're selling service you're selling commodity and the commodity is your people and uh, if people are not communicating then you're almost sabotaging your success like you can get into the 
a car or a, uh, you know, a program with the customer, but it's so hard to uh, spread yourself because you're just in that container and one that you got in. And a lot of times companies do not invest. And it's not just about the money. It's about providing them tools and encouraging them people to do it. Um, and uh, like you said, being the example of, um, you know, somebody who invests openly, communicates openly, tells them it's okay to fail. And not necessarily, I mean, one thing that I, and it's industry-wide, like it's across everywhere. It's almost like a culture, the culture of firing, which is why it has the wrong connotation is you fire because somebody failed at something, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, that to me is stopping the growth because if you do not give permission for people to fail, then you are just stopping them. Then you're not allowing them to think outside of the box yeah. because outside of the box is the unknown where you could fail. Yeah, and it's that's a conversation that we have Um but I have noticed how that you need to you, you need to have that conversation quite frequently. And, you know, I think that's mm. a challenge is, you know, if um, and, and I talk, this is one of the ways that we talk with the team is if we're going to grow as an organization and that's definitely our path now, you know, we're we're we're, yeah. we're a lot broader organization now. Um, uh, but we continue to grow and we can our aspirations are, are bigger than we are. Um, so if we're mm. following that path, then we have to delegate responsibility we have to bring new people into the team and we have to grow as a as a team part of that is we're going to get things wrong so you know we're going to bring people in we're going to ask them to help with things they might get it wrong we might get it wrong we might get it wrong as a team but we have to accept that so you know one of the things i say to to my um team is uh, i'm happy with you know a breakage rate of uh, and I think this is a Tim, Fer- Tim Ferriss thing, a breakage rate of 10 to 15%. So if we make a decision, mm-hmm. if we make 10 decisions and one of them isn't quite right, we can fix that and we'll fix that as a team. And I yeah. am absolutely fine with that because the alternative is that we spend much more time on all of those things and we s- slow the boat down, right? We just, we, we kind of yeah. grind to a halt and we don't grow. Um, so yeah, yeah, so I think... Uh, accepting, I call it breakage, but accepting mistakes and uh, accepting mistakes and and reassuring people that that is okay, I think is a really important yeah. part of it um, because, it, like you say, it grows confidence and it lets people kind of explore those soft side things as well. Mm, amazing. Okay, so two more questions and then we're done. And before I ask this question, I just want to make sure I thank you for this time. It's brilliant. I mean, it's for me personally, it's a masterclass in learning entrepreneurship and some of the things one should be thinking about when you're building company, the culture, the hiring the people and, you know, just having the conversation. So thank you for this. Well, thank you. For, um, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, the question, uh, where do you see uh, the technology or what changes do you see coming now post COVID with all that has been done and, you know, it has accelerated a lot of things. So how do you see the market changing or some things that you see are coming our way? Uh, do you want to ask a bigger question? <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think what we've seen over the last two years um, and uh I think what we've seen last year specifically through COVID is an acceleration of some trends that were there already. So the really obvious ones, e-commerce, remote working, 
um, you know, aspects like aspects of life like that, that, that um, mm. where we rely on IT, uh, those things have just accelerated. Um, I, I think we're going to, we're going to see a continued acceleration of that. Uh, I think it will be more commonplace and I think it will be, um, just better integrated into day-to-day -day life. I think we'll, we'll get used to it. Um, and we'll get used to having a blend of, um, you know, distance working like this and face-to-face, -face, yeah. um, and, and all that kind of thing. So I think we'll accelerate the trend and we'll get more used to it. And I think both of those things are really good. Um, I think what we're seeing in our business and, and more broadly as an industry trend is, um, uh, modernization of IT and uh, data yeah. data driven business decisions as well, um, and to kind of simplify that a little bit or take some of the industry um, speak out of it, um, IT has become incredibly complex over the last sort of uh, twenty to thirty years, um, and we're at a point now where some of that complexity is re a real anchor on businesses. So just um, mm. removing that complexity. Uh, modernizing uh, those IT systems is going to be a priority. Um, mm. And then the, I think the really exciting thing is uh, around business data and, and, and what businesses can do with, their, with the, the data that they've got locked away in systems at the moment. Um, mm. uh, if we look at what's happening in the world with kind of um, uh, data-driven business decisions around like AI platforms and things like that, it's really exciting. But it's super yeah. expensive. It's very hard to do. It's hard to train. Um, so there's only a few companies that are really doing it well and properly. Uh, and, you know, they're the mm. much larger ones. So I think what's really exciting is over kind of a, a two, three, five year period, how that technology matures and how the how and how those um, options will become available to smaller businesses. Um, and they'll, yeah. they'll be able to kind of take advantage of those technologies, I think, because um, I think when they do, they'll be able to innovate around them and we'll see, see some really exciting uh, movement in the IT space. Um, I, yeah, I think that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. So, um, um, you know, uh, in terms of your current work on every side, uh, what do you see next for you know, James, Nevisire, where are you heading? Um, and how do people connect with you, uh, you know, if they wanted to sure. know a little bit more about your work and all that? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I'm, I actually noticed I'm wearing an old shirt today. So this is the the old Clockwork logo, which is the company we started yeah. a while back. Um, we're, um, we went through an acquisition process with Nevisire. I'm going to show you this. So this is what I should be wearing. That's the new branding. <laughs> um, so Clockwork is now part of Navisite as of a couple of years ago. So we're part of a much broader organization now, which has been a great transition for us. We're kind of three three years into that. Um, mm. We're still building. Um, so we have a fantastic mm. leadership team. Uh, we're still building out um, uh, basically what we consider to be a full service IT organization. So, you know, mm. as well as, you know, the, the, the AWS piece, the Amazon piece that we always did at Clockwork, um, there's a much broader set of services, um, and we think we can we can build an organization which is uh, kind of a one-stop shop for, for lots of kind of mid-market and enterprise organizations. Um, we think there's a mm. gap in the market to kind of do that in a really agile, um, kind of thoughtful way, uh, really understanding customers, understanding their industry, understanding their industry challenges, 
uh, and really bringing technology to bear. We think there's a gap in the market for someone that does that really well. Um, mm -hmm. So we continue on that building journey and I'm super happy to be part of it. Um, oh, and just for where people can find me, obviously, uh, navisite.com is where you find us. Um, uh, if you search for James Jimball on LinkedIn, that's where you'll find me. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure people can track me down through that. <laughs> yes, and I'll have these links there. Um, any parting wisdom for somebody who is new, either new in their journey from whatever their hard skill technology nine to five area is to um, entrepreneurship or somebody uh, who is already has a company and looking to, I think there are two different questions, but I'll ask yeah. to, you know, get acquired or an acquisition um, just like, you know, because you've been through that cycle multiple times. So two different people and two different questions. So, uh, so the, the first one was the person who is, individual yeah. yeah he's just transitioning he wants to move from nine to five into entrepreneurship show your work um that, that's yeah. another link we should put a link to it. there's a book called show your work um which is which yeah. is amazing and you know just it goes back to some of the conversations we've had uh but make enough make build enough that people understand it um but then go and show it to lots and lots of people uh and i i think that that's the way things are done they're doing it they're done in community they're not done in dark rooms um, so yeah. show your work would be to that one person. Uh, and then I think, you know, building an organization and going through an acquisition journey. We, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on acquisition <laughs> journeys. Um, but actually, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a dissimilar answer. I think, you know, the way that we um, the way that we built a community around the AWS work that we did was by showing it to lots mm -hmm. of people um, was by, uh, you know, and to, to quote one of the guys that we worked with at Amazon, a guy called Damien Thompson, he's now at Google. Uh, he said, choose what you want to be famous for. Um, and and yeah. we did that. We chose one thing. We thought it was really narrow. It was more than enough to build a business against. Um, but we just went and uh, went and did that very well and told a lot of people about it. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, you're right. Our, the IT industry is, there's a lot of consolidation going on. There is op opportunities for, mergers and acquisitions and things like that. Um, but being known for doing one or two things really, really well um, mm. is, is a real superpower. Um, so I'd encourage people to find a niche and uh, get really good at it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I will, uh, you know, I will definitely take on for the next show where we talk about acquisition <laughs> whenever we do it but it can you know i can i can easily go on hours and hours there's so many things we can go on yeah. but thank you for this one hour it was well spent i know people listening will enjoy and get a lot of good nuggets uh, whether they're transitioning their career or whether they're building their own company. no thank you and um you know man really proud of you for the journey you're on and thanks for having me all right, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did and got some valuable nuggets out of it. If you liked it, there are other shows you can watch. They're exactly what you need. And I ask you to like, comment, subscribe. Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, really, I want to hear from you firsthand what you felt, what you liked, what you didn't like. So thank you and see you around.